Hey, it's Bilal Bacconi at BilalV87 on Twitter, uh, here with you with your Raw review, and it's the hard reset we all imagined after Extreme Rules as Paul Heyman and eventually Eric Bischoff take over, and Raw did kick off with Paul Heyman introducing Brock Lesnar as the new WWE Universal Champion, and he cut a promo uh, laying out his spoilers uh, previously and explaining there would be a 10-man cross-branded all-star battle royale Featuring Seth Rollins, of course, Randy Orton, Big E, Cesaro, Braun Strowman, Rey Mysterio, uh, Baron Corbin, Sami Zayn, Bobby Lashley, Roman Reigns. Among them, uh, Roman, Seth, Orton, and Braun got promos, so only four of the ten. Uh, Seth, of course, won this, although it was a fairly compelling match and had a good pace. And there were some great spots in there. Heyman wasted no time cutting a promo after. Rollins sort of said he was talking directly to Brock Lesnar. This didn't result in Brock talking back to him, which was a missed opportunity, but pretty good. And this was sort of one of the only things that really carries over from the previous regime uh, on tonight's Raw. So I'm okay with it. You know, fairly predictable, but fairly well done. We also had Ricochet and the Usos teaming up against Bobby Roode and The Revival. Now, I wondered why there was no Bullet Club but they showed up eventually anyways in this two out of three falls match, which means, yes, they took a commercial break before the final fall. Uh, Styles came in there with the attack, and he seemed to get the last laugh uh, with some help from Rude and the Revival as they eventually decimated Ricochet and the Usos. I'm a little surprised there wasn't a face tag team like Hawkins and Ryder that wanted a piece of this, but uh, I guess not. Later, we did see the club, AJ Styles, Gallows, and Anderson teaming up to take on the Lucha House Party. Now, Ricochet attacked before this match. Uh, well, he attacked and they restarted the match, which was kind of a weird choice. But once again, facilitated a commercial break. Um, and sure enough, the, the club won once that was settled. A little weird, but that's okay. Kind of works, kind of builds. I'm good with that. Alexa Bliss then took on Natalia, Naomi, and Carmella in a number one contenders match for the WWE Raw Women's title. As you know, Alexa was involved in the SmackDown uh, side of the championship at Extreme Rules. And I actually was fairly certain she would win here until Renee Young kind of gave away the narrative by mentioning that Natalia's from Canada. Um, and yeah, she won. Uh, the crowd was almost sexist in the way they booed these women. Uh, I didn't hear that the rest of the night. Uh, they seemed to be eating everything up, but they had no time for the women. Uh, that, that, that's sexist right there. Because this was a perfectly fine match. I know Alexa had some heat and she was playing off it. Um, but all these women were fine and were good in this match. I would say almost, they were good. Not great, but good. Uh, and then when Natty won by beating Alexa as this was an elimination match. To facilitate some more commercials, of course. Uh, Natty cut a great promo uh, on Becky. And Becky came in the ring. They went back and forth. Um, and eventually it got quite good. Uh, WWE weird in that Renee sort of alluded to the Canadian narrative without it being set up before the match. I think if you had gone to Natty, um, maybe calling her Uncle Bret Hart or an interview backstage where we established that she could come to SummerSlam and win back the Raw women's title on her home soil of Canada, um, this could have set up a good narrative. I'm not sure why they didn't do that. We got another Alexa Bliss segment backstage which I'll mention in a second as it ties into something else because um, I guess that narrative you know, is going to be part of SummerSlam too, but they didn't need another segment to get it over. Um, and even the post-match interview was just about her winning. It didn't really allude to Canada. Natty had to bring it up herself, and Alexa, uh, Becky had to come in and bring it up, and then Natty kind of cut back quite sharply. Um, so once we got to the narrative, it was good, but I don't know why it took so long. 
and yet it took so long, yet there wasn't much build to this entire narrative. Even Natty and Becky as friends, you would assume as much, but what evidence have we seen to the contrary? No seeds planted at all, and I think that's a product of the hard reset, um, and I'm sure Heyman or someone else saying, hey, let's just give it to Natty because she's home, but also because Natty's great, and I'm okay with that because once we get there, it's quite good, but not a not an easy journey. Uh, we also got Cedric and Drew backstage. Cedric was, I guess, the talk of the locker room after impersonating a janitor luchador last week. Uh, they did a match, which Cedric won. That shocked me. Um, but that's very interesting because now do we get a full-out feud between Cedric and Drew, or is this a nice precursor to The Undertaker taking him on at SummerSlam? Either way, I'm quite intrigued. This was very good. Um, Finn Balor was backstage to talk about losing to Shinsuke Nakamura. He quickly transitioned that into the importance of facing Joe. We went immediately to Joe backstage, who bounced off that quite well. Um, Joe won the match. There's an attack after. And for whatever reason, because Balor was already... Well, Balor... Okay, so Balor did recover. But then at that point, Bray Wyatt came out, finally, and attacked... Um, I give WWE credit, this is a hell of a random time to do it, but it was very weird, because we had two backstage promos, a match, Joe attacking Balor after, Balor recovering, and then Bray. That's that's a lot going on with Finn Balor. He starts talking about Shin, then he's talking about Joe, then Joe's talking about him and Shin, and then he's facing Joe, and then after all of that, we still have Bray. Uh, that's, a, that's a little convoluted. Um, I don't know. I'd almost rather... If you're going this way, why not just have Balor lose a rematch to Shinsuke on SmackDown? I don't know. This seems weird. Uh, we also got some great stuff from Drake Maverick and his wife Renee uh, entering a hotel to consummate their marriage. Part of the, uh, obviously, is a hotel near the arena because that's Drake Maverick for you. Uh, part of their plan was to register under the 24-7 championship as a name and not their own name. That was hilarious. R-Truth was hiding around, uh, creeping around, and uh, looking to get the title. We quickly, uh, around the same time, went to a Street Profits uh, promo as they, I guess, were watching our truth and were ready to drop a promo. Uh, they joked about Drake Maverick, uh, about Angelo Dawkins having a thing for Nikki, which is hilarious, and offered some clarity and some thoughts on the 10-man tag. This was great. Um, and maybe one and done is not a bad idea for the Profits because this felt, this felt nice and tight. Um, I think maybe we got too much of them at Extreme Rules and maybe even last week on Raw. We also saw, uh, later, we got Drake Maverick and his wife in bed. A very PG version of that, although hilarious how PG it was. Uh, R-Truth eventually snuck in, although it was sort of funny that Drake recognized the ref before Truth. Um, and, and this was just wacky fun. I don't know how else to describe it. Go watch it if it's you're into that kind of thing. You know, like a guy about to consummate his marriage and then he loses a championship. Quite good. Uh, and some, some good comedy from the commentators afterwards as well. It's quite enjoyable. We had a very random Miz TV segment where his guest was Dolph Ziggler. And the way this went, I didn't know if these guys were going to be a tag team or a feud. Obviously, they went with the feud version because WWE doesn't care about tag teams, which is fine. Um, and, and this was fairly, this was very good. Uh, I was quite impressed, actually, at how this turned out. Maria and Mike Kanellis were backstage, uh, almost, I guess, arguing who was going to face a Zack Ryder. Uh, of course it was Mike, although Maria, sure, sure, she tried. She got up to the ramp before Mike, and the referee had to stop her. Ryder uh, then got the win almost immediately uh, to further their narrative of being uh, losers, I guess. Um, that works. I'm okay with that. We had sort of a weird 
sort of segment where they went to the ESPYs to tell you that Roman Reigns won the ESPY for best moment, which is fine in and of itself, but the fact that this played like an elongated promo for the ESPYs, um, you know, when, when Zion Williamson comes up in a promo that has nothing to do with wrestling, I, I, I think we've gone too far. And this was especially weird because they were trying to shoehorn uh, a little bit of uh, DC Daniel Cormier as they're kissing ESPN's app. If uh, app ass, it was very convoluted and um, uh, weird. I, I would have loved it if they had just said, "Hey, um, here's Roman Reigns, uh, or here, here's what happened when they gave out the SP for best WWE moment or whatever it was." Uh, this just felt like way, way, way too much. Uh, on top of that, so it is what it is. Uh, and the Viking Raiders once again. Uh, this time they cut a promo. And then they beat some jobbers again. Uh, I get making them strong, but like I, I just I don't care. Like just, there's enough tag teams. You could slap some roster guys together, like No Way Jose and I don't know Heath Slater, um, and do something a little bit more meaningful with these guys. Like I'm glad they at least did the promo this week. But this continues to be sort of the most throwaway moment in uh, a Raw that you know was actually aside from that relatively good you know uh i don't know if you can complain about the canela stuff maybe but aside from this this all worked um and for a three-hour show it was fairly focused on uh, a handful of key narratives which was nice uh, i think we saw a lot of matches and promos sink right into each other especially the finn balor uh samoa joe program uh even though that was fairly convoluted so certainly paul Heyman's fingerprints are all over this now they're pretty good-looking fingerprints. It's looking great. Uh, I've been Balavi at Balavi87 on Twitter. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Spotify, and you can certainly go to TalkShoe for a quick selection of podcasts, really all of them, not really a selection. Um, and also make sure you check out Wrestling-Edge if you want to comment on these episodes and get the latest wrestling news. Until SmackDown tomorrow night, peace out.